Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Happy Halloween, everyone, or should I say potentially a not-so-happy Halloween after the Steelers went to Philadelphia and produced a similar result to what we've gotten used to this season, um, a real beating at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, my name's Adam Bittner. I'm in today on the North Shore Drive podcast for Christopher Carter, who handled my duties yesterday, um, and I'm joined today by Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, can I get your um, you know, 30,000-foot view of of the game and and then I'll set everything up here yeah I mean Adam listen going into that game you knew the Steelers had to play an almost perfect game uh to win that game or really even just to be in it and uh you know I, I saw two things I saw the Eagles dominate the Steelers up front on the offensive line on both uh sides of the line of scrimmage and the big plays uh the Eagles got them Uh, and they got them in bunches, and the Steelers had had none. I mean, I, Chase Claypool had the longest reception of the day, 25 yards. He had to fight for, you know, probably 10 of those yards. Najee Harris had an 18-yard run. But that was it. So when you look at it, when you get dominated up front, and you don't get any big plays, you're going to get the results you got. So um, they're two and six. They got the off week coming at a good time. They got to retool. They got to figure some things out um, unless they want to suffer – some of the same results in the second half of the season. Absolutely. We're going to get into all of that uh, here at, at the top. But before we do, I want to just remind you, if you're joining us for the first time, please like this video to help us out with the YouTube algorithm. Um, it'll help more people find us, and we'll have more community here on the YouTube channel. Um, please also subscribe to the channel if you have not already. We're coming up on a 1,000, so that's a big milestone for us, and we're really excited for that. So if you haven't yet, please join so you make sure you, you see all of our videos with our Um, our sports writers and, you know, sometimes special guests. And please consider the promo deal down in the subscription, $6 for six months of access. I'll leave that down there for you so that you can get, you know, really just a dollar a month for the rest of football season. Um, everything that Ray's doing, everything that I'm doing, everything that all of our uh, Steelers writers and columnists are doing on the beat, um, you know, that's available to you if you just check out that subscription deal. Also wanted to remind you that uh, the the video today has been brought to you by the AccraSure Fan Advantage, introducing – Uh, the AccraSure Fan Advantage and the power to project one of our Post-Gazette Steelers beat reporters into your home or office. Using augmented reality, you can get exclusive pregame breakdowns from a Steelers expert standing right in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at post-gazette.com, um, AccraSure Fan Advantage. No apps or downloads, just insider access and Steelers updates at post-gazette.com slash AccraSure Fan Advantage. Um, and get the real edge on this week's action. Ray, with that said, with that all out of the way, uh, let's get right into it. Je Joe Starkey, our colleague, uh, sports columnist for the Post-Gazette, wrote today that it is time for Matt Canada to go as Steelers offensive coordinator. Um, if, if not as a member of, of you know, the, the staff, you know, because I, I think it's possible that he could just have his duty stripped while remaining on the staff, Um, instead of just getting outright fired, where, where do you land on that now that we are at the bye week and we've seen what we've seen through this basically first half of the season? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, Adam, um, if you're going to do something like that, this week is the do, uh, the time to do it. You know, you have, um, you know, a couple practices this week, and then uh, they have a league-mandated four days off Thursday through Sunday. Um, so if you're ever going to make a move like that, um, this is the time to do it. Having said that, um, Art Rooney, uh, his father, his grandfather, almost never made moves like this in season. Um, after the season, yeah. I mean, there, there have been um, coordinators fired with years left on those, their contracts. Um, Ray Sherman was fired after one year in 1998 after a, a similarly bad season. Um, so I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, a move is going to be made at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be made now. Now, Mike Tomlin could certainly make that decision at some point that, in time um, this week if he wants to do it. There's certainly cause for it. Um, um, you know, you, you see the product on the field, Adam. I think they're, they're last or near last in every major statistical offensive category. So um, the, the one issue I have with it is, you know, the, the logical thing would be to elevate Mike, uh, Mike Sullivan to a play-calling role. Um, but in the end, he's not going to install his offense. He's not going to install a new offense. So he would be calling the same flawed plays that Matt Canada has been calling for the most part. So change of scenery, yeah, you could do it. You could change the wallpaper, all that kind of stuff. I'm just telling you, it hasn't been in the Steelers' DNA to do that over the years. Yeah, and I mean, I, I you led perfectly into my next question, which was how much difference can you make in an offense at this stage by changing a play caller, um, you, know, can, 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 you know, can you have a, a big difference there if, if – even if you are calling maybe a, a similar style of plays, maybe the way you sequence them, maybe the way, um, you know, one of the things I was wondering about is, is giving the quarterbacks a little bit more power out on the field. Um, you know, are, are those things that, that can change and, and, you know, how is that going to manifest, um, you know, in, in terms of results? It, it feels to me like there's, there's not a lot you can do to change things. Um, big picture, uh, maybe you can have a, a better game or two, but it's it's ultimately going to revert over the long over the long run. Um, and B, you know, my one of my big concerns with it is: Do you really want to have Kenny Pickett listening to, you know, potentially three offensive coordinators in the span of his first year in the NFL? Is that good for his development? Um, would it be better for him to be listening to someone other than than Matt Canada, or would it be better for him to, um, you know, at, at least get used to the NFL within the system he's already used to? Yeah, right. So I, I think schematically, Adam, a lot would not change. I mean, they're, they're going to have to run basically the same plays or the same types of plays. But to your point, you know, there is a certain rhythm with play callers where you sort of get a feel for your quarterback and you get a feel for your offensive line and which receivers are making plays and, and that sort of thing. That, that's a very real thing. So I'm not going to downplay, um, you know, that aspect of it. And that's, that could be one reason why Mike Tallman could be contemplating a change um, at this point in the season. Um, to your second point, um, you're right. Like if, if you're going to make this move now, it would almost make sense for Mike Sullivan to be the guy going forward, right? Because you know you wouldn't want to have you know too many soups in the kitchen with with Kenny Pickett when it when it comes to that. So um, there's a lot of people making the argument, hey, you know Matt Canada is holding Kenny Pickett back. He's actually retarding his progress. Um, but there's also the point that you make, you know, different voices. How many different voices do you want to have 
for Kenny Pickett before you think you start stunting his growth. So it's a complicated issue. Um, I think that's probably why they're going to ride it out over the last nine games of the season. And obviously uh, January 10th or 12th or whenever that last game is, you know, obviously there will be some news shortly after that. I want to pull at that Mike Sullivan thread a little bit, suggesting, you know, maybe he could be the long-term, you know, going into next season's, uh, you know, play caller if, if, if things ultimately go the other way with Matt Canada. Um, how realistic a candidate do you think he might be, um, given that he has worked with Kenny Pickett for years, the quarterback's coach, um, and that he does have that track record? Or do you think that, that the only logical move is to go external, um, you know, in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Mike Sullivan, I, I think he, he's got a good resume. Um, I think he's done a good job since he arrived here, but he's in, in the unfortunate situation of having to follow two poor offensive coordinators who were hired by Mike Tomlin, that being Randy Feekner, um and Matt Canada. So you can sit here and say, well, are, are the Rooney's going to let Mike Tomlin make that call again, or are they going to sort of say, hey, Mike, We've got some names here. We've got some resumes. Why don't you rifle through them? You're going to pick one of these five guys, one of these seven guys. I mean, that, that ultimately might be the way that it plays. I, I you know, I, I don't know that Mike Tomlin, after what's transpired over the last five years with this offense, will have total autonomy over how this process goes. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's to be determined. We'll see how that works out. But if, you know, if I'm Art Rooney or if I'm, um, you know, any of the Roonies in that front office. And I look at um, the offense since 2018, since Feekner and Canada have been at the controls, handpicked by Mike Tomlin, I'm not very confident that uh, Mike would be able to go out and make a good hire at this point. Yeah, and um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about too, Ray, is, you know, something I've noticed in doing our pro football focus grades every week with this offense is that, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky consider, consistently perform better analytically. And I'd say, granted, we don't know what the PFF grades are going to say about this Eagles game for Kenny Pickett. It's possible they'll be pretty bad. It's possible they'll, they'll you know, take, take his overall numbers down quite a bit. But for now, they have outperformed Ben Roethlisberger in, you know, most analytic categories. And yet the offense under Ben Roethlisberger last year was better than the offense this year. And, you know, I think my leading explanation for that is Ben Roethlisberger knew where the ball had to go in a lot of crunch time situations, and he had the autonomy to get it there. Right. I, think, I remember that Baltimore game specifically last year at Baltimore where he, you know, just kind of took command and they, it was the cliche that everyone repeated that they were drawing up plays in the dirt with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, so pick whatever cliche you want, but the, the point was Ben Roethlisberger was in charge um, for long stretches of time last season, especially in the second half of games, um, you know, where, where it was clear what the Steelers needed to win. Um, do you think that that is, you know, having watched eight games now, a major part of the difference considering that, yeah, I think these at this stage of the game, I think Kenny Pickett and um, Mitch Trubisky are both more physically talented than Ben Roethlisberger at age 38, age 39, um, was last year, but they're not getting the same results. Is is the autonomy within the offense part of the problem? Oh, here's the issue. The, the Rolodex of defenses that Ben Roethlisberger saw over 18 years, it's like that, right? I mean, it's big. He knew what was coming. He knew where to go with the football. As you mentioned, Kenny Pickett's Rolodex, it's like that. 
mean, he, he doesn't know anything. And that's not a knock on Kenny Pickett. He just hasn't seen how NFL defenses work and how NFL defensive coordinators are, are going to attack him. And if you go back and, and look what Mark Whipple did last year um, for his offensive pit, he, he simplified it. He made it a one-read, two-read type of thing, get the ball to Jordan and Addison, make big plays. And uh, that, that's why Kenny uh, Pickett was successful. So he's got to learn how to read NFL defenses. He's got to learn how to go through his progressions. And it takes a long time. I know people don't want to hear that, Adam, but it's not going to be fixed uh, by November 15th. It's not going to be fixed by December 15th. And it's not going to be fixed by January 15th. The hope is by him playing 12 games or whatever it's going to be, um, the hope is that – you go out, you get some better linemen in free agency in the draft. You know, you fortify around him. You get a better running game. And then maybe next year you could take, take a couple of steps forward. And then maybe by the middle of next season, he's looking pretty good. Or certainly by 2024, maybe they get their act straightened out. But to expect him to, to operate behind this offensive line, um, you know, six sacks yesterday. How many times was he hit? 11 times in the game, something like that. I mean, yeah, that's the other issue you're looking at here. Um, he's being put in a bad position um, to succeed right now, and there, there's that there's that thought out there: is this actually bad for his development, or are these necessary evils that have to happen for him to take those steps forward? Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Yeah, no, I, th I think they're all great questions. And, and you know, I, I think the, the analytics for me is, I mean, that's kind of my lane here at the Post-Gazette. And I, I think that's a reason for optimism is that he's he's shown some life and he's shown he's shown that he can be better than Ben Roethlisberger in some ways, um, you know, at least late stage Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not talking about in the course of a Hall of Fame career, obviously, but, um, you know, but, but I think it's more of those intangible and, and process things that, Um, you know, after 18 years, I feel like fans and, and even media like you and I, we can get, um, you know, immune to, to or, or, or worn down in terms of our ability to perceive how big those things really are in the context of running a football team. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing now is, is those intangible things do matter a lot more than, than maybe you think they should after having watched Ben Roethlisberger for as long as we did. With that, we're going to move on a little bit. Before we do, uh, I want to talk, talk to you about Liquid Death. Um, where you're out tailgating, you may notice some people crushing tall boys all day and, and not only staying completely sober, but actually getting more hydrated. Chances are it's not a miracle beer, but it is liquid death. Um, what on earth is liquid de death, you might ask? It's a new recyclable tall boy um, can of mountain spring water that will murder your thirst and bring death to plastic bottles. They donate 10% of their profits from every uh, can sold to kill plastic pollution. Um, plus, they also flat out taste great. Um, I've had Liquid Death at the office. Um, it's been wonderful. We've, we've had them around. The Liquid Death has supplied us with some water. And, you know, it's better than the tap water that I have been drinking to the Post-Gazette offices. So I've, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, having that little perk at, at the North Shore Drive, um, you know, studios down, downtown. So, 
Um, I can attest to how great Liquid Death is. So go get Liquid Death at your local Target, 7-Eleven, or Country Fair, or find Liquid Death, a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash slash shore. That's liquiddeath.com slash shore. Ray, with that, let's move on to the defense. Um, rough day yesterday. Um, I think we specifically with this secondary and A.J. Brown just kind of going grown man on them um, and, and making those d- difficult combat catches. I think the coverage was was good. It just wasn't good enough. And I think that's my question about this defense and specifically the secondary is, um, you know, even if they're in position, do the Steelers just not have the talent back there um, to compete with some of the better targets in the NFL, um, even if they are in position, in, you know, to make plays? The answer is no, they don't. And I think that gets magnified, Adam, when you don't have a pass rush. I, I think when T.J. Watt is around and they're getting home on their four-man pressures, you could play seven in coverage. Uh, maybe you could even trust Akella Witherspoon or Camp Sutton to hold up in single coverage. But when you don't have T.J. Watt out there and Jalen Hurts has three, four, five seconds to sit back there and to read a defense, um, the answer is obvious. They do not have um, good enough players back there to play in that style of defense. So I think, you know, over the offseason, this is going to be a big offseason. I wrote about Andy Weidel. Um, who, who uh, ran the past three drafts for the for the Eagles. He's now the assistant GM for the Steelers. And everyone I talked to for that story said he's going to build in the trenches and he's going to go out there and find guys who can cover. Um, if you look at that game yesterday, what the Eagles did, you know, that defensive line wrecked the Steelers' offensive line. And those corners shut down those Steelers' receivers, um, who I know are uh, a little bit – enigmatic, but there's talent there in that receiving core. So James Bradbury um, uh, for the Eagles, all those guys in that Eagles secondary did a really good job. And that's the blueprint for Andy Weidel going forward, get guys who can cover and get guys who can play in the trenches. And I think that uh, perfectly meshes with what the Steelers' needs are over the offseason. I'm sure we're going to talk about this in depth once the offseason gets here, but they need to draft offensive linemen, Adam, they need to draft defense alignment. And after what we saw yesterday, they certainly have to go out and get a number one corner. They do not have one on their roster right now. Yeah, I think that's obvious. I think if you look at, again, I, I do the analytics every week, and, and there's, there was a lot of talk about Joe Hayden and whether he was going to come back to this defense or not. Um, you know, and, and if you look at some of the guys who are replacing him, like Kelly Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, the numbers don't hold up. Um, you know, and even, even if they were in position yesterday, and, and that's – you know, that's what you want. Sometimes it just takes more. Sometimes you need a good player, not just a, a player who can be in good position. Right. Um, you can find a lot more of the, the latter guys than the former guys. Um, you, you want guys who can make plays. And, and, you know, I'm not necessarily just talking about turnovers. I'm talking about breaking up breaking up those those touchdowns. Because, again, I think the coverage was good. There, It was just that much of a difference between A.J. Brown and the guys. And you want to have that going the other way if you're the Steelers moving forward. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about personnel. Um, look at the resources that they have failed to dump into the secondary over the last couple of years, other than the Minka Fitzpatrick trade where they dealt a one, um, you know, when Edmonds was a one, what now, five years ago, they haven't drafted corners early, maybe because they know they didn't do that particularly well. You could say the same thing about the offensive line and the defensive line, you know, 
Um, the Marvin Leal, number three this year, haven't taken a defensive lineman number one overall since Cam Hayward in 2011, haven't taken an O-lineman at all since David DeCastro um, in, in 2012. So if you're looking for a reason why these positions are lacking and why there's maybe average to below average talent playing for the Steelers, that's the reason why. you got to dump resources into those positions. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're on the secondary right now, but that holds to every position where they're struggling right now. They need better players. They need better corners. And after a while, whether you do it in free agency, you finally open up the pocketbooks and spend some money, or you do it in the draft with first and second round draft picks, you got to start doing that more with these positions. Yeah, I think it's got to be both, right? Because, you know, that's part of the perk of having a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett is that you you should have more salary cap space than when you were paying, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. And, and, and you can yeah. – um, you know, diffuse that that money that you were spending on Ben Roethlisberger throughout the roster. Um, it's just hard to ch- it's just hard to turn that boat in one off season. And you know, also to your point, I mean, this is some of this was inevitable, right? You know, I, I, we're going to talk about Najee Harrison a little bit. Um, you know, but that was kind of a luxury item pick, I, I feel like in in today's NFL, where uh, you were hoping he would come in here and make a difference with your franchise quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger and try to get what you could. Um, you know what? It's those words. Win now. We hear all the time, right? Win now. Win now. Win now. Win now. I never hear a fan or a lot of media members say win later. Uh, but but now you're you're paying the piper to an extent because because you did you instead of investing that first round pick in a corner or in alignment, you invested it in a weapon for Ben Roethlisberger, and now Ben Roethlisberger's not here, and so you're you're kind of paying. You know, it it just feels like they managed the roster in a way that was built to maximize the weapons for Ben Roethlisberger and not a whole lot else, and that we're in a position now where this is what happens when you do that at the end of it. Yeah, you know what would be a good exercise? I would have to go back and look at the corners the year uh, Najee was drafted. But I have done this exercise with the offensive linemen. Everyone says, oh, you should have taken Creed Humphrey at number 24. Well, Creed Humphrey didn't go until number 58, I don't think. So the Steelers weren't the only team to pass on him in the first round and the second round, he's he's turned into a good player, yeah. But I don't know if you overdraft somebody by thirty five spots, um, you know, just to get a center. And then the other uh, interior lineman from that draft, we saw him yesterday, Landon Dickerson from the Eagles, first round talent, but he had major um, medical issues, red flags with previous injuries to his knees. So there are certain franchises that'll sign off for that. They'll be happy to get five or six years out of them. Then there are other more conservative franchises like the Steelers that say, hey, we're not going to be able to sign this guy to a second contract. You know, we can't spend a first-round pick on him or, you know, even a second-round pick on him. So that's that's kind of the way it goes. I, I don't I don't have a big issue with the Steelers not taking an offensive lineman over Najee. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a cornerback or another position where maybe you can get a little bit more impact than what Najee has provided, definitely, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, kind of talking about overdrafting, I think that's probably the concern with Najee Harris is that that's just not where teams invest first-round picks. It has nothing to do with him. And I think it, if you're talking about Najee Harris as a third-round pick, it's probably a different conversation, right, um, you know, just given even the production true. that he's had. Right, or even a second. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of the problem is that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a knock on him. It's where he was drafted and, and how the Steelers chose to allocate their, their uh, draft capital. Um, Ray, before we, you know, move on to maybe some more Najee talk, I did want to ask, you know, TJ Watts coming back this week, 
Obviously, that's going to make a huge difference at every level. Are there any other adjustments within that context? You know he's coming back, um, but there are still, you know, we've still seen struggles um, and concerns. With, is there anything Terrell Austin, uh, Brian Flores can do to adjust this defense um, and make it better, not just because T.J. Watt's coming back, but because you get two weeks to kind of put things under the microscope? Not really, but I do think T.J. Watt can fix a lot. I think you saw early – in that Eagles game, they were concerned about not getting home with their four-man pressures. They brought blitzes. You know, sometimes they would bring six guys, and they still weren't getting home. So when you do that, then you open yourself up to big plays. With T.J. Watt coming back, you should be able to get home with four again. He is that disruptive, and he can mean that much to, to the pass rush. And then, you know, by as a result, then all of a sudden your corners look a little bit better because they're not covering for, for three and a half, four seconds. That quarterback has to get the ball out in 2.5 or three seconds or a little bit more. So, yeah, you know, is T.J. Watt going to come back and are, are they going to go undefeated the second half of the season? No, of course not. They have so many other problems, Adam. But his presence um, makes everyone around him better, and I think they are going to win a few more games. You know, people are talking about them going 2-15. and 15. They're not going to go 2-15. and 15. Uh, T.J. Watt's going to come back. They're going to be halfway decent. The the schedule eases in the second half of the season. Uh, They're going to get their fair share of wins. So um, people talking about number one overall pick, uh, you know, even a top five pick. I I think as long as T.J. Watt stays healthy, this defense is going to be much better. And the Steelers are going to be in a position to win a few games. And I think they are going to win a few more games than they did in the first half of the season. I agree with you, Ray. I think, you know, a lot of these games have come down to one possession and, you know, a player like TJ Watt, again, we saw that last year. There were games where he was the difference in one score games. You know, he, he smothered, um, you know, other teams' abilities to come back or he was disruptive enough to create opportunities for this offense. And I think that's, that's part of the issue too, right, is that, is that you're not getting the turnovers from this unit because you don't have a disruptive force like TJ Watt. And so you're not getting the opportunities to make life easier for the offense. We saw that in the Cincinnati game. They didn't by no means play well in that game, but they, they got seven points from Minka Fitzpatrick, um, you know, and they were set up with five turnovers and some decent field position, and, and they did enough to win. I agree. I think things are going to start going the other way, um, you know, once, once you have a guy in there that can make that difference. And that doesn't mean that they're going to have a winning record or make the playoffs. But it does mean that, you know, in, in a business that's it's as tight as the NFL and the, the difference between winning and losing is so close, you're probably going to come out on the other end more often than you have in the first half. Um, Ray, last question on the defense. Is there anyone you'd like to see more of in the second half of the season? Um, anyone who's caught your eye? Um, I know I in the preseason was – Mark Robinson was my guy. I, we've barely yeah. seen him at all. Um, you know, but but he – you know, he looked pretty great in the pass rush and – you know, I, I wanted to see more of him then. I'm not sure now because, I, you know, I'm not at practice every week like you are. Um, but is there anyone you have your eye on that, that may, is maybe not Mark Robinson but someone else that you'd like to see get more run on that defense um, in the second half? Yeah, the issue with Mark Robinson isn't so much talent. It's him, a former running back um, in college, still learning how to play linebacker in the NFL. And I think when you play inside linebacker in the NFL, especially in a defense like the Steelers, it's a lot of processing of information that has to go on. And in order to play fast, you have to know what's going on. And I don't think he's there quite yet 
you know, for me, uh, you know, we heard a lot about Isaiah Loudermilk in the preseason, how he was doing well. He's been injured. Um, for me, if you're going to tinker a little bit in the second half of the season, why not go with Loudermilk, see what you have in him, and maybe sit a guy like Chris Wormley on the bench. Uh, a guy like him's not going to really be around uh, probably beyond, uh, you know, the, the last couple of games of the season. See what you have in Loudermilk. He was a fifth-round pick. Um, they traded up to get him. So, you know, little moves like that. I mean, there's not much else you can do. Spillane's already playing a lot. They're playing that three-linebacker set a lot. Um, maybe James Pierre a little bit more if you're convinced that Witherspoon isn't going to be the answer beyond the season. Um, it's interesting, Adam. Witherspoon, there was an out in his contract. You can get away with cutting him. I think it'll be $1.5 million in dead money. Cam Sutton's going to be a free agent. Levi Wallace, the same exact contract as Witherspoon, $1.5 million in dead money if you cut him after one season. So they can go a number of different ways here. And if they are convinced that, hey, let's let's take a look at James Pierre, let's take a look at John, Josh Jackson, if they don't think those guys are going to be back next season, maybe you see some of those guys in the second half as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and got one more uh, sponsor message for you all before we get into some offensive changes and the possibility for that. Um, it's Yinzers. Hey, Yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign is off and running, and you can show your support for our black and gold. Um, it's easy with two legendary shops in the strip, plus their growing online store. Yinzers in the Berg is the place to go for Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. Um, we'll see you in the strip and check us out online. Um, shopyinzerspgh.com, yinzerspgh.com. Check them out. Um, right. I talked a little bit about Najee Harris earlier. Um, to me, that seems like the, the most obvious place that short of changing the play caller, you can make a personnel change that might make a difference because Paul Zeiss, our colleague, said this on Twitter yesterday, that it just feels like every time he gets the ball, it's, it's a wasted play. And, yeah, he's ripped off a 13-yard run here or maybe, you know, a 7 or 8 one there. But it, there's way more occasions where he's going nowhere than when he's going forward. Um, and with Jalen Warren, it just feels like every run – he he gets has a chance. It feels like he's already got ahead of steam by the time he hits the line of scrimmage, and that's good for you know three four yards a pop um, at times. Just just from the eye test perspective, what has to happen for for a change like that to be made um, in season? Is it possible, or or you know, are we just looking at Najee Harris as the lead back no matter what because of where he was drafted? Yeah, I mean, Adam, if you would have asked me this two months ago, I thought. We're even talking about this is crazy, but it's not so crazy when you sit back and watch him. I mean, Jalen Warren is a good runner because he's a one-cut runner. He's very decisive, and he hits the hole very hard. Um, there was one play yesterday. We all know that Najee in the line always doesn't help him out. He has a lot of, you know, no gains or even negative yards plays. But there was a pass in the flat to him yesterday on a third down where he had five, seven yards, he could have got the first down easily or put his head down to get the first down and run over um, a defender. And he danced and he, you know, juked back and forth. And he was tackled like, th- you know, two, three yards short of the first down marker. Now, they went back to him on the next play. He got it. But those are the types of things that it's, um, you know, obvious to anyone watching that he's just very indecisive and he seems to have fallen in love with um, – uh, you know, going sideways or, or juking rather than 
putting his head down and being a one-cut runner like like Jalen Warren is. So they got to bench a captain. Maybe. I mean, they benched Mitch Trubisky. I mean, it's it's not out of the question. But I think without a doubt, and maybe you don't do it, maybe Najee still starts, but without a doubt, I think they have to give Jalen Warren more carries going forward. I think he's earned that. I think he's a better runner. He's very good in pass protection too. And I actually like him better as a receiver. So um, what do you have to lose at this point, right? Najee, yeah. he's a big boy. He can handle it. And then if not, maybe he's not the right person for you going forward if that's the case. Yeah, I, like, I, you know, I don't even know if it has to be like a, a ceremonial benching or, you know, I think people like those kinds of, of, you know, clear resolutions to situations. But it could just be as simple as we're going to bump Jalen Warren's, you know, carries up by a third, you know, and, and if he proves that he's worth more than it, it happens incrementally over the course of the season. I think the, the most frustrating part of watching Najee Harris for me has been uh, short yardage situations. And kind of the point you made, I I think the play you brought up was not short yardage, but it was a question of, um, you know, doing the things to get those short yards to make, you know, once you've, once you've gotten far enough that you're in position to maybe get the first down, putting your head down and getting more. Um, it, it, that's where I feel like the biggest difference could be made. Um, do you think it might be a situational spot where, you know, I think back to the Jerome Bettis years where Willie Parker was a better running back at that point, but Jerome Bettis was just better at the short yardage and, and um, he gave the Steelers an advantage in that situation. I, maybe it's not going to be that severe of a split, but can you see maybe Jalen Warren getting a role, a clear place where you know he's coming into the game rather than just a straight-up benching of Najee Harris? Yeah, and it might be as simple as just, Najee, you got the first two series. Jalen, you're, you're going to take the next two, and we're going to see which one of you can get into a rhythm. And then, listen, if Jalen Warren – is ripping off, you know, runs at eight yards a pop like he was um, in that game for a short spell yesterday, then you just ride the hot hand. And if Najee's hot, then you ride his hot hand. So, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be um, a demotion per se where you actually elevate him um, on the depth chart or anything like that. But, um, you know, we saw it with uh, this probably, you know, uh, outdates you, but uh, Eric Pegram and Bam Morris back in that Super Bowl 30 season, right? Sort of like a thunder and lightning type of thing. I, I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't go back and do something like that with uh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. I was five that year, Ray. So a little, I remember a little bit, but not that much. Um, is there anywhere else on this offense that you think you can make a personnel change? I think we saw a little bit more of Steven Sims yesterday. Um Kind of felt a little reminiscent of the Ray Ray McLeod role um, in the in the Steelers. Is there anything you can do with these receivers? Or are you just kind of stuck with what you've got? I guess I'll ask the same question about the offensive line. Are you just kind of stuck with what you've got at this stage? Yeah, I mean, with the offensive line, you know, Dotson's not playing great, but are you going to put Kendrick Green in there? Are you going to put Jesse Davis in there? Jesse Davis is probably here for nine more games. And, you know, we, we just talked about they're going to draft – a ton of guys, you know, Kendrick Green and Jesse Davis probably aren't going to be here next year. So why, why would you want to take a look at them? And, uh, you know, same will go, you know, Trent Scott is their He's their swing tackle. I don't think he has a future here as a starter um, either. So as far as the offensive line goes, no. Um, you know, it, it, there was a lot of talk in practice last week about Sims and uh, it seemed like they were going to use him a lot. And then the game gets around and he's out there for 12 snaps. So, um, 
you know, Pickens, Claypool, Johnson, I think they all got 80% of the snaps or more. I think that's what we're going to see, especially with Calvin Austin going on season-ending IR now. He's not going to be back. They really don't have any options. Cody White could get elevated from the practice squad, I guess, but we kind of saw him last year, right? I mean, he's he's uh, you know he's that type of player. He, he's a fringe 53-man roster practice squad type of player. So until you address this stuff in the offseason, um, you know, unfortunately for the Steelers, Adam, I don't, don't think there's a lot of answers right now on this 53-man roster or this practice squad. Yes, I mean, I, I agree, but I felt, you know, given that we're going into the bye, I think we this is the time you have to ask some of these questions because it's yeah. kind of that last, you know, breath you get before you're going into, you know, week week to week all the way to the end. Um, and, and so, you know, I think it's just natural for people to wonder. Um, Ray, just so we don't end on a, a too depressing of a note, are you doing anything for Halloween tonight? No, my kids trick-or-treated on Saturday. I missed it. I was in Philly, so – um, knowing my kids will probably go find a neighborhood that's uh, trick-or-treating tonight and uh, double up on the candy. But, uh, no, I missed it on Saturday, so I guess I'm, guess I'm out of luck. I got my family coming over. I'll be cracking a probably a pumpkin beer with some spices to relax. Um, I was a butler over the weekend. That was my costume for a murder mystery party. We had a great time. Um, so I hope, you know, if, if you're feeling bad about the Steelers, at least you have the holiday tonight to celebrate, enjoy some time with friends, families, neighbors, um, neighbors, children. Um, you know, it, it should be a nice night. So we'll be back for the rest of the week. I, I'll be back with Andrew Destin tomorrow talking about Penn State's loss to Ohio State, what it means for the Nittany Lions and their quarterback situation. Uh, Christopher Carter will be back on Wednesday in his usual spot with the North Shore Drive. I believe Jason Mackey will be his coach. Um, and then, you know, we'll have our college football preview show on Thursday, and Chris will have a uh, – I think bi-week preview edition on, on uh, Friday with Brian Bacco. So a lot more coming this week. Again, please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.